Turn with me, please, in the scriptures to Philippians, the third chapter, and Hebrews, the twelfth chapter. Philippians 3, and then I believe we'll go to Hebrews 12. I think we will. In Philippians 3, beginning about the twelfth verse here, Philippians 3 and 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, me too. Let us therefore as many as be perfect... Be thus minded, and if if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now, uh, with the King James English, a lot of times this hasn't registered very well on folks. There, A lot of folks hear the word perfect, and you lost them immediately, because they're thoroughly convinced nobody's perfect, and the implication is nobody can be. So you're not going to pay much attention to that. And then all this apprehension, what does that mean? Apprehended, apprehended, I hadn't apprehended, I was apprehended. A little bit of a language thing going on there. Put up the Amplified, please. He said, uh, not that I have attained or have already been made perfect. But I press on to lay hold and make my own that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. Keep going. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Keep going. I press toward the goal to win the prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perfection, as we took time and and got into the first part of this series, is not what we think of in our modern vernacular. When he's talking about perfection, many people think physical flawlessness, mental flawlessness, flawless performance. Perfect. That's not what he's talking about. If you look up these words, you'll find it basically means to complete or to fully develop, I think is a good term. Instead of saying perfect, you could say fully developed, fully developed. Now, uh, we're not going to be in this lifetime perfect physically or perfect in knowledge or understanding, or perfect in performance. But you can have, and God expects us to have, a perfect heart every day and night of our lives. 
And when we're born again, even though our righteousness in Christ is perfect, yet we're born babies and we are not fully developed. And we need to grow up and develop. Now, growth and development is not automatic by passage of time. Just because you've been a Christian for 30 years does not mean necessarily that you are not still a baby. You can be a 70-year-old baby. (laughs) That is, you were born again. But you never developed. You never grew. And we have been called. And God has put gifts in the body. Ephesians talks about. So that we may be perfected. And come to the full measure. And full stature. That means grow up. Like Christ. To be like him. And Jesus said. The servant's not above his master, but everyone that is perfected, or we could say fully developed, will be as his master. (laughs) It is possible, and it's our call. And that's what Paul is saying. I don't count myself to have arrived at Christ-like perfection on the day I'm writing this, he said. But... This is what I'm doing. I'm forgetting about everything that's behind. All my shortcomings. All my mistakes. And even my uh, accomplishments and things I did right. I'm not going to camp on that. I'm pressing on. I'm pre- How about you? Come on, say I'm pressing on. I'm, I'm pressing on. To what? Toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that mark? It's being just like him. That's the high call. And it is high. But it is reachable. The master told us so. Can you say amen or owe me or we'll see, I'll think about it. or Go with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Now, Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11. Is that right? Was that a revelation for you? This was not written in chapter and verse. These things were added by men. But what's in chapter 11? Faith, 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 faith. It is the great faith chapter. Tells you what faith is. Tells you God created everything by faith and by his word. Tells you without faith it's impossible to please him. And gives example after example after example after example of men and women that lived by faith, overcame by faith, received by faith, did exploits by faith. Right? And then in the 12th chapter here, he hasn't changed the subject. This is all, this, the thoughts are continued to flow in the same vein. 12.1, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What kind of witnesses? Faith witnesses. 
let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What kind of race is this? Exactly right. It's a faith race. The just shall live by faith and the just walk by faith. If you walk by faith, if you picked up the pace and started running, you're still doing the same thing. You walk by faith, you run by faith. It's a faith race. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of what? Of what? Of our faith. Of our faith. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. If you're born again, you have faith. You have a measure of the God kind of faith. You're born of a faith God, so you're a faith baby. But that faith is not fully developed upon the new birth. Is everybody with me? Our faith needs to be finished. And actually, uh, Young's literal translation says he's the perfecter of our faith. Instead of saying the finisher, he's the perfecter. Perfecter. What does perfect mean in these settings? Fully developed. Completed. So when we got born again, we have some faith. We believe in God. But have we arrived in the faith walk? Well, what are we to attain to in the faith walk? Faith like Jesus. <laughs> Did I lose somebody or not? Now, there is ignorance about this topic. And a lot of folks, even if they've heard a little bit of it, they have not accepted it. They've rejected it. Let me read to you. I read to you in the beginning of this series uh, some quotes from uh, Brother Billy Graham, our elder in the faith. He's uh, been in the ministry, I guess, it must be something like 70 years now. One of the most highly regarded ministers, period. Advisor to presidents. He's seen a lot, hasn't he? God's used him to win millions and minister to more than that. And uh, he made a statement. I think this was in 2013 he made these statements. And I want to read it again and then read some more. Brother Graham said, being a Christian is more than an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. Isn't that what we're reading about? Isn't that what we're talking about? Being a Christian is more than saying, I believed on Jesus, I received him as my Lord. That's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We may go to church some, we may pray some, and hold on till we get to heaven. That's it. No, no, it's the beginning. 
You're born again, but you're born a baby. And as newborn babes, Peter said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I want you to listen to something else he said. He said, Jesus Christ, this is, I'm I'm quoting Brother Billy Graham, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Master. I've repented of my sin, turned my life over to Christ, and seek daily to obey His Holy Word. I am His follower. Before my conversion on November 1st, 1934... I always thought myself a Christian. He thought of himself as a Christian before he was one. It wasn't until I was confronted and convicted of my sin that I realized Christ makes a difference in the lives of those who not only claim his name, but obey his word. If there's no change in a person's life, He or she must question whether or not they possess the salvation the gospel proclaims. Many who go to church have not had a life-changing transformation in Christ. Those outside the church expect followers of Christ to live differently. Yet today many in the church are chasing after the world, not to win them, but to be like them. He said it's not surprising if people believe easily in a God who makes no demands. But this is not the God of the Bible. He talked about what he called easy believism. (laughs) You just believe. That's it. You believe. That's it. Well, that's not it. We're called to be more than believers. I'll see if this bunch likes it over here. (laughs) We're called to be more than believers. What do you mean more than believers? It's something I I realized as I was meditating on these things, praying about these things yesterday. It's been my custom and practice for decades now. In my personal communion with the Lord, I refer to him frequently as master. That's just been my way for years. And I began to see more uh, yesterday and last night why that's so real to me. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He's also my Master and my Lord. Not the same. I said not the same. You can believe in Him as your Savior. And him not be your master. We're not just called to believe. We're called to follow him. To be his disciples. Come on are you listening? To be his disciples. A disciple is different from a believer. Don't you like that phrase brother Graham said? Jesus Christ is my Lord. And master. You want to say that? Jesus Christ. Is my Lord. And master. Is he your master? He won't be your master. 
by believing only. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. We may come back to Hebrews 12, but it'll still be there. 1 Corinthians 9. I like calling him my master. Have for, I don't know. I don't remember when I started calling him my master, but I don't call anybody else my master. He alone has that designation, that type. I only have one master. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25, notice this, he uses a word. 1 Corinthians 9, 25, every man that strives for what? For the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, temperate means disciplined, self-controlled. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run... Not as uncertainly. Now he was talking about running a race in Hebrews 12, wasn't he? So fight I, not as one that beats the air. One translation says, I'm not shadow boxing. I make every punch count. (laughs) Every punch hits its target. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. In the easy believism message that Brother Graham says is not the real gospel, there are no requirements. Everything's already been done. Actually, a distortion of grace that allows laziness and looseness where nothing is expected, nothing is required. But Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to lay her all down. Is that right? You've got to be willing to lay everything down and follow me. How much is it going to cost you to be his disciple? Everything. Not a popular message. But still the Bible. Still the truth. In 2 Timothy 2, go over there please. Did you hear that term mastery? Striving for the mastery. Should we be striving for the mastery? Of what? What does that mean? What is the mastery? Well, it's being like the master. That's what the mastery is. 2 Timothy 2 and 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Are you going to have to endure anything? Being a real Christian? No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that it may please him who's chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man strive for masteries... Yet he is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. There's that same term. Striving for mastery. Skip down to verse 11. 
Verse 11. It's a faithful saying. If we be dead with him, we'll live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Shun profane and vain babblings. They'll increase to more godliness. Their word will eat as doth a canker or a cancer, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, who's going to do it? The man himself. He will be a, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Do we have a responsibility in our development? Will it require effort? Even some discomfort? Even some hardship? Yes. We're not talking about suffering from the curse of the law. We're talking about Having to put your flesh under. Having to submit your will. To his will. That's suffering. If you don't think so you had not come very far. Some of the most intense suffering. We see the master doing. In the garden. Where he is sweating. As you want to call it that. Blood. Blood. And what is coming out of his pores. Because of him resisting something. He's resisting sin. And the primary sin that he's being tempted to do. Is not yield to the will of God. There's no way. Listen to the prayer. Father. If there's any way. Let this cup pass from me. Is he wanting to do this some other way? Is he. Yes, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Was that easy? No. The Bible said, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And it goes on to say that he became he being made perfect, he became the author of salvation to those that believe. <laughs> Go to Hebrews 12. Some of these things I've never taught like this before. I'm, I'm wading out into, into, into the water by faith. Hebrews 12. He said, looking unto Jesus. He's the what? Author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Somebody say, Master. Master. 
(laughs) Master of what? Master of faith. Master of pleasing God. Which is saying the same thing. Because without faith it's impossible to please God. How did he do that? How did he submit his own will? How did he endure the shame and despise the shame? The Bible teaches he did it by faith. He submitted to the cross. He yielded his spirit. Why? Because by faith he could see you and me this morning. Hallelujah. And it was worth it. Glory to God. He did it by faith. He is the faith master. I said he is the faith, the faith master. And if you want to learn about faith in God and pleasing God, you need to become a disciple of the master. And let him teach you about faith. Let him be the perfecter of your faith. I'm letting that sink in on you just a little bit. Can you see this, friends? He is the author and the finisher. He is the perfecter. He is the master of faith. The word our is actually in italics there. He's just the master of faith. (laughs) Well, we have faith. He's the master of what we're endeavoring to develop in, of what's been put in us. And verse uh, 3, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. It's no fun when you're no good. (laughs) What do I mean? When you're no good at something, it's just no fun at all. Right? (laughs) You don't understand it. Every, the last 40 attempts you made at it were pitiful. (laughs) It's not working. You're not getting results. Being no good is no fun at all. (laughs) Let me tell you what is fun though. When you stay with it. I said when you stay with it. And maybe it didn't click for days or weeks or even months. But you begin to see one thing and you did it and it worked and you went. Oh. That's what they've been doing. That's what they've been doing. And you got better at it. 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 Until it just begins. What used to feel so awkward. And so unnatural. Begins to feel like second nature. Like breathing. And you get good at it. That's fun. I said that's fun. Things that are great. You can't master overnight. The greatest things you can't master in a week or two. Which is why most people don't master them. (laughs) A lot of folks would like mastery 
if it would fall on them. (laughs) Or if they could buy it. Or if somebody could just pray for them or lay hands on them and impart it to them. (laughs) But if you mean, I'm going to have to work at this for the next 30 years? Uh, That's when people do what? (laughs) Be wearied and faint in their minds. Can you see that? He said, don't do that. Don't do that. So what do I do? He said, you hadn't resisted under blood, striving against sin. That describes what we just talked about, about Jesus in the garden. Keep going. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord and don't faint when you, not if, when... When you are rebuked of him. Now, the devil and his crew are very afraid of you and I developing and becoming like the master. You talk about his worst nightmare is millions of little Jesuses. All over the planet, shutting down his business, walking in the faith like Jesus walked in, walking in authority. That that keeps the devil awake at night. You know what I mean by that? That literally is his worst nightmare. (laughs) So he's doing everything he can to keep masses of the world's population completely blind to the reality of God and the truth of the gospel. They're, they're, not, they're not a threat. They're not going to be. Not even born again. But then with the millions that are born again, it's too late for him to stop them from being born again. But they're no th- babies are no threat to him. I mean, they're not going to hell, but they're not bothering him either. So what he can do and what he has done far too successfully is convince the masses of Christianity that you got Jesus and you got them and that I am just an old sinner, hopefully saved by grace. And basically what I'm going to do every day is sin and fail miserably and come short, but I can't help it because I'm just a man and just try to hold on and hope I make it through the pearly gates. Now, you're shaking your head and I'm glad you are, but how many Christians believe that kind of thing? Are some form of that. And so all the only aspirations they have Go to church once in a while. Try to be a good Christian. What does that mean? Try to do some good. Some way, somehow. But they do not have the idea that Jesus is their amazing master and they are his apprentice. His disciple. His grasshopper. I know how old some of you are. 
That's a reference to the Kung Fu series in which the star of the show had flashbacks and his Kung Fu masters trained him and taught him things like getting the pebble out of the master's hand, developing speed and accuracy and skill. And looking back now, I can see why, uh, one of the reasons why I grew up the way I did. My, when I was about, I guess I was about uh, nine, ten years old, there was some issues at school. I was getting beat up. I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, there were seven of them. And two of us. And my little brother was little, young. And so two or three of them would hold me down in the back of the bus while the other one beat on me. That wasn't fun. And uh, I'd get off the bus and my nose is bloody and and uh, busted in my lip and this and that. And my dad says, boy, we got to do something with you. So he had just learned about martial arts. And uh, this is back in the uh, 60s, you know, early 60s, and mid 60s. And, and he put me in a uh, school of martial arts, old school. And I trained in that for years. In fact, I thought that's what I was going to do. As my profession. Yeah, I quite it got. God had another idea for me. I'm, I'm so thankful. But I can, looking back now, I can begin to see a number of things he, uh, the Lord was in it. And he was teaching, because I was a pupil. I was a disciple. And, you know, a lot of you are fans of these kind of movies and these kind of books. And, and uh, you, you'll see the, the student, the learner, want to come study under the master. Why? Because the master, through a lifelong of practice and brilliance, has mastered these moves, has mastered these techniques, has mastered these forms and fighting, etc., etc. And so instead of trying to blunder through and figure it out yourself, which you may never do, you want to go to the master who's already figured it out, already done it, and get him to teach you. But he will not, the master will not only teach you, he will correct you. He will rebuke you. He will reprove you. And in martial arts, that includes slapping and punching and foot sweeping and kicking. And you'll hear people that have gone through arduous training. And they don't come out crying. He was so mean to me. He he made me do a hundred sit-ups. And then I had to run around and run around. He made me do a thousand kicks. He's so mean. He's so mean. No, they feel privileged that the master accepted them as a student. And they're glad to endure the hardship. Why? Because they care more about mastery than they do discomfort. I said they care more about mastery than they do the discomfort. Well, Jesus is the master. I said he is the master. 
And you and I are not supposed to be believers only. We are also to be his disciples. His disciples. Are you his disciple? Well, even if you haven't been, you can be. You can be his disciple. And what he wants to do, that's what he's talking about in Hebrews 12 here. Keep reading. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, what does he do? He chastens. He scourges every son whom he receives. Now, people have taken that and twisted and make all kind of things out of it. That God's going to send a tornado to tear up your house and and put a deadly disease on you. And he's chastening you. He's, He's scourging you. No. That's inconsistent with other passages. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Why would he go and redeem you of something only to turn around and put it on you? And yet, there is discomfort. And there is suffering in training for the mastery. Oh man, I don't know how many times I came home with bruises, even fractures. Yeah, but I wasn't crying about it. I couldn't wait to get back. I mean, I took to it like a duck to water. I, it was my thing. Man, I'd go over these forms in my mind, and I'd practice. I'd kick a bag till I about passed out, and, and I'm sweating, and I'm hurting, and I'm sore, but that's what it takes. I said, that's what it takes. To obtain the mastery. Striving for mastery of that particular thing. It's the same thing. If you're a musician. And you want to be a great player. You can't just learn three chords and that's it. Y'all know Dino. Kartsanakis. He'd been playing the piano since he was a little child. And we're friends with him. And at times I've seen him. Even though he's been playing. For all these decades, when it comes time for him to to do a a show or a service or this kind of thing, he'll practice every day for hours and weeks. Well, he's been doing it for all these years. Why does he keep practicing? That's what it takes to have the mastery of that. And he does. He is a master of the piano. Why isn't everybody a master of the piano? A lot of folks don't have the grace, but in addition to that, the biggest problem is enduring the hardship, the inconvenience, pushing through. Why isn't everybody a faith giant? Exactly. The same reason. People say, well, I tried that. And how long did you train? (laughs) How long have you trained in faith? Well, I heard two messages. And brother prayed with me one time. See, people don't have the concept, do they? They don't even know they're supposed to be developing. Oh, but Jesus is the master. And if you want to, if you're willing, you can become his apprentice. You can become his disciple, his grasshopper. And if you're willing, he will begin to be more strenuous with you in your training. 
So we, you, you can't be more strenuous with someone unless they're willing to submit to it. We have people in the ministry. We have staff. There's some staff I can correct more than others. Why? They've submitted. They're willing. They'll overcome their hurt feelings. Others, if you said anything in other than a kind-toned compliment, they're out of here. They're gone. They have not submitted. That you don't have that place in their life. I don't know if the times I've had people look at me and go, oh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, if you ever get anything about me, you know, tell me. Most of the time, you can't. Why? Because they're not disciples. They wouldn't hear it. It'd just make them mad. It'd just upset them. Maybe we'll give you this thought. The thing, some of the things, I should say it like this, that would upset you the most might make you the angriest. If you had the faith and humility to receive it, could be the very thing that caused you to get free the quickest and develop the most in the shortest amount of time. If you would receive it. Phyllis and I, in our 35 years of walking with the Lord in ministry, looking back now, you see a pattern. There have been junctures ever so often, something came up where we had to submit. You just run right into it. And uh, we could have got upset, we could have got mad, we could have got hurt and left our place. And our training would have stopped. Our development would have stopped at that level. It's not easy. Sometimes you have to lay across your bed and cry. And pray and seek the Lord. What you're doing is coming face to face with your flesh. And your own pride. And your own stubbornness. And your own wanting your own will and your own way. And that needs to be crucified. Is crucifixion easy? It's hard. It's hard. Did the master do it? Did he do it perfectly? Does he know how to do it? Will he help you know how to do it? Will he show you how to do it if you'll stay with him? But you got to be willing. You got to give him the place. In your life, not only to instruct you, but also to rebuke you. The master will rebuke you. He'll correct you. It's not him being mean. It's not him being hard. It's because you need it. Woo. Feel the excitement. (laughs) He said, if you endure Verse 6, whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye, most translations say, illegitimate, and not sons. 
Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. We gave them reverence or respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that is for our certain good, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Why does he correct us, even chasten us, even rebuke us? This is the training for us to develop into full Christ-like stature. Our righteousness does not need to be perfected. It's his righteousness. Our faith does. Many are not differentiating between the two. They think because my righteousness is already perfect and complete, that's it. That's it. Nothing's required of me. Not true. If you just want to be a baby, never develop, never make any difference, well, you can leave that. But it's also available to be the disciple of the master. Hallelujah. And let him perfect your faith. How's he going to do that? Well, why is all this together? How's he going to perfect your faith? He's, part of what he's going to do is correct you. Did Jesus ever rebuke his disciples? Did he ever correct them? Is he not the same? Yesterday, today and forever. People say God loves us. God loves us. He does. Didn't the scripture say as many as he loves? He, he corrects. He chastens. That's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. If you're doing it wrong, you need to learn. You're not going to learn all about faith in three days or two weeks or two years. And a lot of folks are, have become, well, what's the word? They, they've cast away their confidence is the scriptural way to say it because they said, I tried that faith stuff and it didn't work. No, they didn't even try to train. They knew three verses and they tried to do something and they did it wrong. Are y'all with me? And when they didn't get the results that they wanted, they said, well, that faith stuff don't work. No, it's just that you're such a baby and don't understand it. Brother Hagin, when he was a 16-year-old boy, laying paralyzed in the bed, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., he finally learns a little bit about faith from Mark 11 and 23 and 24. And he, he, at one point he's laying there in the bed. And of course he's 16. He don't want to be in that bed. He don't want to die. And he said, Lord, I believe. I believe. I know I believe. If you told me your problem is you don't believe, I'd say, no, that's wrong. I believe. And I know I believe. He said the Lord spoke to his heart. You do, son, as much as you know. As much as you know. You do believe as much as you know. But you're a baby in faith. Barely learning about it. Thank God over the next few months, the Lord helped him to see what he, what he was lacking and how to step out in faith and act in faith. And he was miraculously healed. It's ignorant and proud to be angry at God and upset with God because a prayer didn't work. 
Have enough humility and honesty to admit. I hadn't mastered this yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning. And to be honest, most folks have not given themselves to it, but very, very little. I mean, a lot of folks think they've done a big thing if they made it to church once a month. Right? They don't read their chapter. They're, they're a believer. They're not a disciple. I want to be a disciple. I said that wrong. I am a disciple. I am a disciple. I've been in training with him for decades. I don't claim that I have arrived or even. Mm-mm. But I'm forgetting what's behind me. I'm coming up to another level. I'm getting my brown belt. In what, Brother Key? In faith? Getting my brown belt in faith. For those of you who don't know, that's, that's below black belt, but it's pretty high. <laughs> pretty high. <laughs> now, when you first get started, you get a white belt. And then after you learn a little bit, you get a black stripe. Just a little stripe on your white belt. Come understand, there's a whole lot of white belts in the body of Christ. Let me tell you what, there's more. There's more that don't even have a uniform on. Because they have never submitted or committed to even being a disciple. So white belt is good. At least you are on board. You are, you are in the training. You are being trained. <laughs> Hallelujah. Keep reading. Verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed and follow peace with all men and holiness, which is Christ's likeness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, he warns about being bitter. Don't get bitter. Don't just give up. Don't just get weak and faint. Stay in your training. I said, stay in your training. The Lord said, stay in your training. Somebody say, I'm staying with it. I'm staying with it. Go with me over to Matthew 10. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me give you just a little bit more. Let's at least get your uniform on and get your white belt on today. Is that right? Anybody willing? Get your white belt on. (laughs) The truth is, some folks that think they're black belts are yellow belts. That's the first belt up. If, if Paul is not a black belt, then you see what we're talking about. He, what's he said? I don't count myself to have arrived, to have attained. But I'm after it. I'm after it. Show me that form again. Show me that punch again. Show me that kick again. Show me. Show me. I'm tired. I'm sweating. I'm sore. That don't matter. Come on, let's do it again. 
Let's do it again. When I prayed that prayer, nothing happened. Well, whoop de doo It's because you didn't know how to pray. Now stand up and quit whining and get back in your stance. Do we need some of this? See, people don't even know or understand or know how much they need or want pastors like this. The ministry has devolved to hirelings. That people hire to do their praying and counsel and visitation for them. And whom they change out every few months like socks just for no reason. And we got a good little preacher, people say. What does that mean? Well, he does what we tell him to do. He stays out of our business. No, a shepherd leads the sheep and feeds the sheep. And if one of them is getting out of line, you got to reach over there with your hook and go, hey, 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 come over here. No, come here, come here, come here. They don't know if there's a big old pit over there. And there's a wolf hiding behind that bush too. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about being hard. I'm not talking about condemnation. I'm talking about love that corrects. Do you need it? Children need it from their parents. Parents, you're not supposed to just be your kid's buddy. You're supposed to be their parent. You're supposed to lead them and correct them. There are times they're not going to like it. Oh, they're not going to like it. I can't stand the way it makes it. Grow up. Grow up. Amen. Develop. Get some strength about you. I just can't stand it. Quit being a wet noodle. Do what's good for them. What's going to help keep them out of trouble? What's going to help cause them to have a good life and a long life? Whether they like it or not. Some things they won't understand until they're 25. Or 40. Take yourself. Or some of you that are hitting 40 and 50 getting a revelation. About something that just aggravated you to no end. About what a parent or a teacher or a coach or an elder did with you. Looking back now you're going man they just were thinking about me. They were just trying to help me. I was too dumb to know it. So uh, put your uniform on. Get your belt. Your white belt. And I'm going to help you get your stripe. I'm one of Jesus' assistants. I'm your assistant instructor. He's the master. We only got one master around here. Just, just one. He's the master. But we're not just bumbling through life. Holding on till we get to heaven. We are developing. In becoming like the master. Every day. Come on somebody say every day. Every day. Every, come on say every day. I am becoming. More like the master. He is the author. The perfecter. Of faith. And my master. Hallelujah. He's my master. He's my master. My master. Oh hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God.
Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're making progress. We, uh, we learned a new kick today. We learned a new form today, a new, a new stance. We're, we're making progress. Matthew 10, are you there? 10.24. 10.24. The disciple, Jesus said, now these are the words of the master. Are you his disciple? So say it out loud. I am a disciple of the master, Jesus. Tell him, Jesus, I submit to you. I am your student. I am your disciple. I will learn from you. I will follow you. I will imitate you. Please. Instruct me, teach me, help me, correct me, rebuke me, reprove me, I'll be glad to receive it because I know you're doing all of it to help me become like the master. I am a disciple of Christ. Hallelujah. Then hear what Sensei says. Hear what the Master says to you and me right now. He says, Good. I receive you. I was uh, wondering when you were going to get around to it. You are not above the Master, the Lord's saying to you. And the servant's not above the Lord. You're not going to pass me, he says. That's not too hard for us to believe, is it? But what else? I want you to believe these words. Are the words of Jesus, are they true, are they right? It is enough for the disciple that he be what? As his master. In one of the other account, gospel accounts, it says everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Jesus told the disciples, you call me master. And you say, right, because I am. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you do? You, you, you imitate the master. You do what he did. I've had people get mad and say to me, well, you're trying to act just like Jesus. Who do you think you are? I thought that was the idea. Didn't you? Who else do you want me to emulate? Who else do you want me to try to be just like? Who else? You got a better example? It's the devil who doesn't want you trying to be like Jesus. He's actually scared of it. Why? Because you're going to learn. Next thing you know, you're going to be praying like Jesus prayed. You're going to be thinking like Jesus thought. You're going to be speaking words and changing things like Jesus did. Hallelujah. You're going to be humbling yourself and submitting to the Father and pleasing Him every day like Jesus. Like Jesus. The Lord tarries is coming in another 20 years. Will you have arrived at being exactly like the Master? No. 
but you'll be a completely different person than you are now. And you'll have a completely different life than you do now. And results and miracles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we get Phyllis on the screen? I believe God has given her something. We had, can we do that? As he was teaching, can we put Mike up there with Keith for just a minute? I think this will really nail this in. Mike, come up there and stand with Keith just a second. So many times, stand a little closer because the screens are split, so y'all just kind of stand bud to bud there for just a minute. I think this will just put a, a nail in what you're understanding. He's been talking all day long about training. And the Lord brought this example to my heart, and I think you'll understand it. There's not very many people in my life that I will get in an airplane with. Because my life is valuable to me. Now, Dave is sitting here right now. Dave, how many people will you get in an airplane with? Just those two. Now, the reason that I'm saying this is because... He knows, Rob is sitting here, they have watched Keith time after time after time study, prepare, go to school, take that airplane, walk around it. I mean, check everything that needs to be checked and know what he's doing about that airplane. Now, the reason that I've got the two of them standing there is I want you to see their hands. They just went to school for a Falcon airplane. When they went to school, look at them. Now, I didn't say a word to them. You know I've been sitting here with you, right? They went to school for a Falcon airplane. Now, I want you to watch their faces as I say this. Was it hell every day what that instructor did to you guys? And how he corrected you every single day. Did you guys enjoy that? I mean, every day. The both of them were nailed. They were told what they were doing wrong. They were told how bad mistakes they were making. They were told what they were messing up on. But do you know what? When I get in that plane, my life matters. Everybody that gets in that plane with them, their life matters. Their life matters. Because they're in the plane with them, their life matters. Do you know what? There's something more important than flying an airplane. Lives matter every time somebody gets in this pulpit. And if you're not prepared to share what you're going to share every time you get in this pulpit, and if you didn't prepare every time you get in this pulpit, you just want to get up here and say something to say something, then you're not ready. Because lives matter. 
And you're going to be corrected day after day after day after day after year after year. And if you're not willing to take that training, just the little training that it takes to prepare to be a pilot, they were corrected. It was hard on them. If you would have heard Shara, put Shara up there. Shara, get up there. I'm doing this for a reason. I want you to see. Did Mike tell you it was hard, Shara? Did Mike tell you it was, uh uh-huh, look at her face. He told her it was hard. And was he corrected? Do you guys thank those guys that taught you how to fly that airplane so that you can fly us around the world in that airplane? I know they do. Because we're able to get in an airplane and fly now. As soon as that Falcon airplane hits our tarmac that we're able to get in it, we can fly away in it. Glory to God. And we can do, we can do what God's called us to do. And I'm not going to be in fear and I'm not going to be scared. Because I have two pilots that can fly us away. Because they did get corrected. Because they did get corrected. Because they did get corrected. And they were told what they were doing wrong in order to get us to the place that we need to get to where we can do what we need to do. Do you understand that? That's what I had to share with you today. Because I'm so thankful they took the correction every day. And they didn't quit. They were able to be man enough to take it and do what needed to be done. And that's the way it's been in Keith's life and my life over and over and over again. You have to take what needs to be taken. It's not just about getting behind a pulpit. It's not just about accomplishing what you've got to accomplish that day. You've got to be able to do what God told you to do because lives matter. Lives matter. That's what I had to share. So if you want to go back to Keith now, he can do what he wants to do. <laughs> Thank you, Phyllis. Thank you. That is, that is a very appropriate example. Actually, we had uh, the instructors told us about crews, people, pilots that had quit. They did not finish it. And these are, these are guys that had been flying for years. And they were flying at a high level. But it was. I mean, it, it, especially when we get into about the second week or so. Boy, it was so tense. In there, you just, you did not want to go back, man. I mean, it was. See, these guys that were training us, they're at the very top of their game. Before The week or two before us, they trained the uh, Nigerian Air Force crew that flies the president around of Nigeria. Before that, they've trained the crew that flies, uh, what was that other one? Spain, king and queen of Spain. And so these that's like their Air Force One in those countries. And, uh, and here we are. We, we're not. We don't do this every day. We're not, you know, Air Force One. And, uh, but we believed the Lord would give us this ability. This is not about having a plane. This is about an ability. To do things in, in different parts of the, the body. And so, man, it was, yeah, there were guys that uh, just quit. They just, and, and got mad. And uh, we had one of our instructors told us uh, they had been a little rough with us. And he said, now some people have quit. And they said they didn't like my style. And, and they, they, they just left. And, and me and Mike said, we're not going anywhere. We're, 
Now your flesh wants to say, yeah, I wish you'd calm down a little bit, you know. <laughs> I mean, there was, a, I mean, there were times that uh, they were yelling at us from right over our shoulder, yelling, just yelling at us. No, 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 no. <laughs> Boys, this is not going to work. We go, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me show you how. And they reach up and show us how and do it perfectly. And we'd go, that's right. Yes, sir. <laughs> There's only one acceptable response. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. We appreciate. And, and it wound up blessing them. Because we told them, we said, we know you're trying to help us. And we saw them soften. And about two weeks into it, we prayed and made some adjustments. We had a breakthrough. We had a breakthrough. It was so tense, man. It just was no fun to be in that little room. You get in this little bitty room with them, and you go over all the stuff you're supposed to know. And then you get in the the simulator, and you do all that stuff. And we had a breakthrough. And you could just feel the pressure come off. And we told them, we're going to submit to the way you think this ought to be done. We are here to learn. What do we tell them? We are your students. We will do it the way you say do it. And man, they smiled a little bit. And, and, and we made it. Hallelujah. We made it. Well, can we be like that? You can be like that with a man who doesn't always do it perfectly. And can even be wrong. How much more do it with the master? Who's never wrong. And who only has our good. In mind. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet everybody. (laughs) Somebody stirred up. I I can tell. We have come up today. We have come up today. Glory be to God. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.